Okay, um, <clears throat> the clock has ticked 11 Eastern Standard Time, and let's get started. So uh, I would like to invite Audrey and Abhav to do a quick uh, self-intro. Then I will introduce ourselves, uh, Gate US, uh, after the guests, and we can dive into the topics of today afterwards. Thank you. Audrey, why don't you take the speaker off? Uh, I mean, the uh, mute off and get started. I think we're having some uh, technical difficulties. I do have, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Uh, why don't you do an introduction of uh, yourself and we'll start from first. Yeah, and we can go from there. Thank you. Sounds good, sounds good. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Good to uh, be on this particular Twitter spaces. I'm really excited to have a good conversation around what is happening in the crypto space, some of the new things that we are seeing. And I uh, would love to hear uh, Russell's opinion as well as Andre's on what uh, they are finding interesting in this current market. So I'm Abhinav. I'm a research partner at Woodstock. I lead the research and investments team. I've been with the fund for more than three years, been in the blockchain space for more than five. Uh, mostly I started as a researcher. I have a background in computer science and finance and have been looking into distributed systems as well as computer networks uh, for quite a while. So just to give a background on Woodstock as well, we are a Web3 native VC fund. Uh, we have uh, been working in this space since Feb 2019 officially, but I would say all of us in the fund have had more than five to six years of experience in crypto invest as investors uh, in an individual capacity or as builders as well. So most of our work... Uh, can you hear me, guys? Yeah, Andre, we can hear you. Yes, yes, we hear you. All right, perfect. For some reason, I cannot hear you guys. Like, I, I can hear you, Russ. Um, so Abhav is actually speaking and introducing himself right now. Um, do you want to try relogging again, or perhaps using a different account? Either way, uh, whatever works for you. Sure. But Abhav, please uh, do finish. Abhav is a great friend of mine, and uh, he's extremely knowledgeable. And Woodstock has been definitely the top tier uh, capital that you want to work, uh, want to watch. So definitely would like to hear more uh, as we wait for Andre to rejoin. If you have anything else or should I introduce ourselves? Yeah, I was just uh, finishing that like we started out in India, uh, have expanded to the UAE and also have uh, a fund based in the US. So these are the three regions that we have our team members based. But uh, in terms of our portfolio, we have invested across uh, across the world. Some of our like early investors included uh, Covalent, Band Protocol, Elrond and Neo Protocol as well. So yeah, we have been in the space for quite a while, uh, mostly focused on infrastructure and tech, but very actively looking at DeFi applications because we're seeing a phase of convergence altogether and consolidation, especially in a market where new teams are finding it more difficult to raise capital and the blue chips or the market leaders are getting more and more interest from whether it is investors or even retail participants as well as institutions. So as we go through this consolidation phase, like we expect a lot of shakeups in the market uh, in the sense that new players might find it more difficult to enter, but at the same time, the that have been doing well definitely create a better advantage for themselves. So yeah, that's uh, what we are currently looking at. Uh, Russell, back to you. Awesome. Okay, so why don't you do a quick intro as well, Andre? Uh, I know that you are uh, finally able to hear all of us. So yes, after yes. your intro, I will introduce um, Gate US. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. And my apologies for uh, a few technical difficulties that I had uh, earlier. My name is Andre Burrell. I'm CBDO at CLS Global. And uh, CLS Global is a consulting company that's been in crypto for six years now, since 2017. Our main service is market making. This is where we started. Due to the fact that we've worked with uh, over a thousand projects throughout this time, uh, many of them uh, succeeded, some of them failed uh, because the industry is very, very changing. So we 
got we got a chance to work with uh, very interesting projects, with solid projects, with uh, some crazy ideas as well. So we've developed into a consulting company that uh, basically helps projects from the beginning till the end. So from fundraising, tokenomics, uh, launching on uh, uh, appropriate centralized exchanges, getting the strategy together, and then going in live for trading. So this is where CLS right now stands. Back to you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. CLS is also a great market maker that I previously have uh, known and partnered with. Uh, great guys. If you guys are running a project looking for help from market making site, make sure you contact them uh, as they are a great option uh, to go with. Back to Gate US. I'm sure our audience have heard of our brother uh, or sister, Exchange. Uh, which has been running for more than a decade. The difference is that uh, today at GateUS, we are a completely separate entity. We share the same uh, chairman, but everything else is separated. The goal of that is to be fully compliant to regulations, particularly U.S. regulations, as we would like to focus on the U.S. market, uh, as well as catering and serving to global clients as well, uh, sort of like Coinbase, but better. How better you say? Uh, well, we are uh, mostly instant free, uh, incidents free, and uh, we have been running for a longer time. We are cheaper to trade on. Uh, a lot of great service that uh, others do not have. For instance, we are actually the innovator in pushing out uh, IEOs and ICOs back in the days. Uh, we are constantly developing and learning about our uh, audience taste and appetite and trying to find the best product to serve you and make you the uh, most satisfied uh, traders and users of our platform. So today we are talking about a few topics, right? So crypto market has been quiet for some time. Many have told me when I have phone calls with different institutional partners, Many have told me that this is the quietest they have been uh, since they got into the industry. However, there has been a lot of different things happening. And to start, I would like to talk about, obviously, in this week, we have seen some uh, appreciations among different tokens, uh, mainly BTC and some uh, ETH. Uh, one thing that driven the appreciation is obviously the, uh, the uh, speculation on the ETF. I have talked about this yesterday on a different session as well, uh, but I would love to hear, uh, you know, opinions and ideas from Andre and I have the ETF rod for spot BTC. How do you think that's going to change the landscape and what kind of effect will it take on the price of BTC? Well, um, I can take that first. Um, so I think that the news is good, obviously, right? When, when it gets released and uh, when it's not going to be fake, right? Uh, as, <laughs> as BlackRock mentioned. So the thing is that uh, the, the positive news for Bitcoin or ETH or crypto in general is uh, like, uh, for example, let me, let me put it this way. Basically, uh, any news about crypto and like rulings on SEC are considered positive, but they may not be even positive, but they're considered positive. So think about it in a way that uh, when you have ETFs on Bitcoin approved, why on uh, Binance the price should go up, right? Because if you look at the order book, the, the, the one way to increase the price is to keep on buying on Binance directly. But how will ETF influence that? So, I mean, the, the, it's just the crowd that's trading Bitcoin or ETH. They speculate on any news, right? Uh, that's why we had a recent spike and then drop back down, now it's climbing back up. So the thing is that people need to, especially uh, traders that just getting in or into trading or they got in uh, recently when, when, and I'm saying recently, like within three years when crypto start, started to be popular. Uh, the thing the thing is that about ETF, obviously it is a good, it's a good thing. It will give, it will bring in more money into crypto. But if we speak about the price increase and if we speculate that Bitcoin will go to $50,000 just because ETF got improved, that's a in my opinion, that's a bold speculation. Uh, what it definitely will do is that it will that that ETF will definitely 
sorry, I think my mic just uh, stopped. Yeah, you got muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, somebody didn't like what I was saying. <laughs> so, well, I'm taking off where I, uh, where I ended. Basically, uh, institutional investors always find a way how to invest, and they've been investing into uh, uh, crypto. They've been buying Bitcoin. We already know that. It's just right now with the ETF, it's going to be more legal, more clear. Obviously, they're going to be putting more money in there, but it doesn't mean appreciation, right? When the money comes in the market, in any financial market, it can go either way. You bring a lot of money of negative people that do not believe, let's say, hypothetically speaking, in Bitcoin, they're going to drop it. You bring uh, the money of people who believe in that, they'll drive it up. So uh, with that being said, and I'll, I'll pass the mic further to Abhinav, is that uh, ETF is obviously, I wouldn't say whether it's good or bad. I'd say that it will definitely influence the amount of money that we have in crypto and with that being said the more money we have in any in any financial sector it will uh, it will decrease the volatility uh, at least for the most time because the big money will control that volatility and then uh, we're going to be going into the into sort of trends that we have in classic financial markets and it's not going to be another 2017 it's not going to be another 2019 where you can make crazy money it's, it's going to be a, li a little bit more stable that's my take on that love it um, yes, Abhav, if you want to share your opinion on the topic as well, that would be great. Yeah, I think like I would take a slightly different stance than Andre because like one thing I see with the ETF is sort of institutional institutionalization of Bitcoin in the way that you're seeing fresh capital coming in, not just from the people who wanted to invest, but also from, let's say, customer deposits or like people who have been sitting on the uh, sidelines because there has not been a good enough uh, product for them to invest without taking custody of Bitcoin themselves. So I think if there are like such people who don't want to handle the complexity of crypto, and I definitely believe that there are, those people People basically get a medium to like put their capital into a particular asset. So I see that as like a big enough factor because it's not the same PVP game that we have been playing in the last couple of years. Uh, it's not just like rotation of the same capital from one coin to another. It's a new, I would say, a new set of people entering the market, uh, understanding it maybe, and just being educated about how uh, things work and why this is an asset class that is worth diversifying into. So that's one part. I also see like from an ETF perspective, like there is definitely, it's definitely one catalyst to what like Bitcoin and the crypto market is doing. But there are like other factors as well, which can play into how the market shapes up. And that's like just advancement of technology as well as its adoption. So I definitely see ETF as a positive catalyst as well as a net positive for the industry altogether. In the short run, I am pretty sure it will cause uh, some market uproar like we have seen just the fake news causing BTC levels to go up whether like new capital came into BTC or not uh, I think that's a secondary question at this point but definitely there is like pent up interest where people are waiting to hear some good news and uh, start like moving from the sidelines into the mainstream so that's where like I stand. I think it's it's going to be an interesting time, especially in the next couple of months. I'm expecting the ETF to probably be passed by January rather than March, which is the final deadline. That's mainly because uh, I think even the SEC knows that, okay, by March, they have to get it done, if not for any particular solid rejection reason. reason. So I do see like by Jan, we should have like the ETF approved and we're going to see like a good quarter one uh, for 2024 running into the halving in April. So let's see how that plays out. But yeah, definitely very hopeful about how this is planning out. And there are like many other catalysts going into the next year. Great input. I ultimately think that uh, at least the approval of uh, BDC spot ETF will be a signal for a more mature or stable regulatory landscape. Um, however, let's talk about other things that's sparking the market. Recently, we have seen a lot of people talking about, you know, they're guessing what is going to be the next big thing coming up in 2024. Everybody have different guesses. There have been topics such as uh, AI being mentioned, social fire being mentioned. 
And talking about SocialFi, obviously one of the big one that recently have got a lot of attention is uh, Friend.Tech FT. And that's something that I want to ask uh, both Andrea and Abhas. So what do you think the next thing is going to be uh, potentially for this market to watch out for? And what's your take on FT? Uh, what's your take on SocialFi being booming right now? All right, I think I have you wanna you wanna start on that since you're from uh, Woodstock. It would be interesting to hear your ideas on that on what's the next big thing. Yeah, definitely. What is Woodstock interesting? Looking at which sector we would like to hear that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one key thing that we are like looking forward to, especially in 2024, is uh, like the consolidation of infrastructure, which like I was just mentioning that infrastructure is sort of uh, in a phase where you're seeing block space demand on Ethereum going up with the N2s uh, like popping up almost every other day. You're also seeing a lot of demand for Oracle services, uh, middleware services like indexers, uh, RPC providers and so on. So this is one sector which I definitely feel is going to have a very strong uh, integration into the stack and like from a, uh, I would say even token perspective as well, a lot of these tokens will have to find their utility, find the uh, revenue model that the network requires to actually sustain itself. So it's like the, I would say the litmus test for these projects to see whether the tokens actually make sense for them uh, apart from just like as a speculatory instrument. So infrastructure is definitely consolidating and that's going to be one big theme going forward. Uh, like whether it is like L2s, whether it is just Ethereum and some other Altel ones, or whether it is like middleware services uh, like Oracle networks and uh, RPC providers and indexes. I think these are the building blocks that are going to either like do very well uh, in the sense that they find the right uh, models to help them sustain or uh, basically figure out that, okay, maybe we are like more focused on the equity side where uh, the value does not accrue on-chain directly, but rather off-chain. So that's one key interesting research area we are looking at. And then like from, I would say, what would be the next trend? I think DeFi is going to make a comeback, uh, like along with social fi and AI. I think, Russell, you mentioned those two things. They are definitely going to be, uh, I would say, the hype cycle leaders because there is so much pent-up interest in uh, both those sectors. And like those are use cases which basically are helpful for everyday users as well. And then like DeFi is probably the second thing because of institutional interest uh, into Bitcoin. We can also see a lot of interest coming into real world assets, uh, tokenization of uh, securities and potentially like just DeFi in general. So you have those lending and borrowing marketplaces, uh, liquid staking and so on. I think these are some of the key sectors which are going to get a lot of uh, interest as well as like TVL flowing in, uh, into them. So those are like, I would say my two or three uh, areas that I feel are going to do well in the next uh, year. And probably like two or three years down the line, like I'm expecting gaming to pick up really well. And that's where we'll see a lot of social fire gaming combined together to get like more and more people involved into the space. Now, how does it work out is still, I would say, questionable because right now, like as a gamer as well, like I don't probably need to have the whole hassle of getting into Web3, but can Web3 evolve into, or let's say provide technologies and tools and services, which traditionally do not exist, uh, exist and then basically allow gamers to find a new footing, whether it, in, it is in terms of monetization, whether it is in terms of interoperability of characters, uh, as well as accessories and so on. So in the long term, I think gaming can be a good like entrant for uh, allowing users to just enter the space and explore it. But at the same time, the other two or three sectors which have been doing well uh, in the last couple of I would say in the last couple of cycles, those are going to be still the market leaders in the sense that okay, they are driving up the market altogether. So yeah, that's the detailed answer. Appreciate that. That was very good insight. I did not expect DeFi to be on the list, but it does make sense uh, what you explained. Andre, I would love to hear what you think as well. Yeah, I would I would mostly agree uh, on uh, on some parts. 
So like, uh, even if we think about gaming, um, like if you think about virtual reality, I know it's far away, right? From, from that, from, from the movies that we had when, when people play in a virtual reality and it's sort of like a real life, but yeah, I, I'm sure that everyone knows Joe Rogan with the, his podcasts and uh, the latest one that, oh no, that was actually, sorry, my bad. It was not Joe Rogan. It was another podcast. I forgot the name of the, uh, of the guy is also popular. He had a podcast with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, they were doing it in the metaverse, right? I don't, I don't know if you have seen that, but the quality of the image is just insane. So, uh, I mean, uh, such devices and technologies obviously drive the gaming. So I would, I would agree on that. I'd, I'd say that uh, it's hard to predict the exact boom when uh, it's going to be booming. Uh, the gaming industry and sector um, but it's definitely I, I don't in my opinion I don't see any decline on that I think that uh, considering the fact where we're going with this including the AI uh, I think is just going to grow uh, another interesting part that's uh, again it's pure my opinion <laughs> what I can add on the deaf sector uh, I agree that uh, that's uh, that's uh, something that is definitely worth looking at especially with the such a uh, such a debt situation uh of the of the big country and uh so defi is sort of like the point where something has to be done because uh, either default or any other moves and i'm speculating right now something has to be done so maybe defi is going to find a way of sort of turning the situation with the debt around and we're going to see some interesting uh, moves that way and um, I know that, uh, Russell, you mentioned um, the social fire, right? So the initial question was in the beginning on that. So uh, it's a, <laughs> I think that that's a very hype, hyped, uh, not, well, sector, if I may call that the way. That way. And uh, uh, just like in a, in a Black Mirror where they had similar topics and in China they're using the um, the rating system now you can put sort of a price tag that is clear to all on the on the social media accounts i think that either way uh, either way we're going to see similar if not the friend tag but similar uh, ideas on the market for sure and i think the so so as i said the, the gaming the defi they're gonna stay and grow for sure that's my opinion but the the like uh, a, a sudden boom can actually be it can actually be in a uh, social social sector very interesting uh, thought um i like how our guests have a bit of a different input and give us different perspectives into the industry and what's going to be the next big uh thing but talking about DeFi, which we both, uh, all the guests have kind of mentioned, um, let's dig a little deeper on DeFi. Let's talk about Trust Wallet, um, which is performing quite well recently uh, through their rebranding. We do see a lot of older projects who has come out for some time now, picking up speed again. And this could be due to multiple reasons, right? For Trust Wallet, it's a unique case. But prior to this MA, we also had a chat. Uh, I also had a chat with Eberhard on the liquidity staking uh, as well. Uh, I know you have recently pushed out a report uh, on Woodstock's website on blog. Uh, talking about it, can you share some insight and background to it, Eberhard? Like to hear it as well. Uh, Russell, is that decentralized validated tech or liquidity staking? Uh, the DVT. DVT, okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. So like we have been looking into DVT just from a decentralization point of view and a technology perspective. And just to give our audience a quick background on what DVT is, it basically stands for decentralized validated technology. And basically the goal of that particular tech is to ensure that we have a resilient uh, system as well as uh, we are able to distribute a particular validator uh, across multiple uh, entities. So what that allows is better decentralization and better uh, liveness of the system so you don't have to be worried about your validator going down and so on. So 
I'll definitely link the blog post, but at the same time, I'll just uh, get into why this is particularly exciting. So we have heard a lot of debate around, uh, like you know, uh, Lido is centralizing uh, the Ethereum stake, and there are like certain risk factors associated. Uh, so I think like these are all converse, good conversations to have, but at the same time, I think we need to be cognizant of the fact that how technology is actually shaping up and what is happening at the background to uh, make sure that ethereum at the base layer is secure and dvt is one way of uh, distributing uh, the responsibility of a validator and preventing the concentration of stake uh, like at the same time so it's an interesting concept uh, it's a bit technical as well like how do you approach it how do you create this uh, particular sense of resilience and liveness uh, but at the same time like why i feel this is going to take us to the next step uh, is because one uh, we want to uphold the ethos of what we stand for and that is we don't want to concentrate power and create silos where we end up in a uh, like uh, in a situation where power is held by a couple of folks right and i think ftx is the perfect example like i don't consider ftx uh, a crypto company or a web3 company because it was all about holding power within a small circle and like we saw what happened right so you want to have the right checks and balances and potentially like dvt basically creates these checks and balances for a lot of validators uh, and also brings a lot of solo stakers into the network further decentralizing the ethereum network uh, and like if we go further down the line and see ethereum as the global financial system you would rather want to be part of that system uh, and provide security to it uh, by like participating as a validator and that at the same time let's say transacting on it and holding your money so you would feel much more secure because you are one you cannot be uh worried about uh the system going down there are like so many people trying to keep the system active and at the same time you are also not worried about somebody doing something wrong on your system because you are creating the right security uh, setups within uh your own let's say localized environment so yeah i think it's a very powerful tool uh whether it is like very powerful in the sense that it monetizes uh itself very well and like people become billionaires by investing in these tokens i don't know that i am not speculating on uh, any of the markets at this moment but from a technology perspective this is a big win and a big plus for the entire web3 community so yeah that's uh, dvt in short um i mean i actually actually that's very interesting i actually um, have a question so it it has uh, um, all the positive things that you've explained and uh, maybe you can touch base on some of the potential risks or some of the holes that you see in that system or is it a purely prop like purely um perfect uh i wouldn't say anything is purely perfect the one i would say downside is because you are creating uh let's say a further decentralization or a further distribution of tech you sort of introduce latencies into the network and then you also have a, a setup phase where if the setup of the dvt validator is not done correctly then you end up in a situation which is like probably worse than where you were sitting while you were just running one validator by yourself so definitely there are like some uh, cons or i would say uh some issues that we need to be very aware of and if you are able to solve them properly like you know take the proper steps while setting up uh ensure that like you you are not creating a large latency uh, within the network so that you have all the good things which ethereum offers uh, the 12 second uh, uh block times and so on and like if you are going into a single slot finality uh for ethereum then like the latency factor also plays a big role uh, into what happens so it's like like anything else it's not all positive but at the same time uh i would say it's definitely a net positive for the industry because uh, of what it offers and how it offers it i hope that answers 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. That answers my question. I hope uh, listeners got the answers too. Awesome. Very, uh, <clears throat> very good session. Bring up a lot of valuable topics. Um, I know, Andre, uh, you wanted to talk about S- SBF case. I want to save some time uh, for that, uh, as well as questions from our audience. I actually have one more question for Abhav um, before we jump into SBF. Um, so I see some people asking in the section, the comment section below, and I'm reading them as we are progressing on our session. So obviously, like I mentioned in the beginning of this session, that it has been a little bit quieter time and a lot of projects are still building very consistently and some aggressively. A lot of good projects out there. I I would like to understand, for example, you know, for uh, Woodstock, do you guys, how do you guys explore those projects? How do you guys discover those projects? And what kind of, you know, way would you typically invest? Do you invest uh, when, you know, a project is already getting attention by other funds? Or do you typically like to be the lead in the earlier stage? I think that's a question a lot of uh, builders are asking. And since we got you and you are part of a great fund, I would like to understand as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. So right now for us, uh, I'll, I'll answer one by one. So one is how do we find the good projects? Uh, I think as I was mentioning, like a lot of us have been in the space for a long time. So we have created a good network uh, in terms of like, where do we get our deal flow from? A lot of founders reach out directly as well, which is definitely a good way to at least know that, okay, your fund has a uh, good uh, market recognition and like people are trying to reach out to you to just learn uh, whether we are interested or what we are looking at. So that's the way we have been getting our deal flow. Uh, And like uh, if anyone is interested, please feel free to DM me. Uh, Would love to take a look at what you guys are building. Uh, Coming to the second part, which is uh, how do we maintain or like how do we decide what to invest in what not to invest in especially in the current market so we have been following like a framework uh, which i have been asked about like many many times in the last couple of months because a lot of investors are trying to figure out how do you find good projects uh, in a bear market right like you're not gonna you cannot depend on just other funds doing uh uh, research and like then deciding to invest you have to be very diligent on uh, what you see as the value prop how you see that particular project doing and what are the returns you are expecting and in what time frame so uh, just to answer that like in a short manner we right now at the moment are focusing either on innovation or on like projects that have definitely found a good product market fit. So at the moment, we are not going uh, into like, you know, very early rounds where uh, it is just an idea, but it's not innovative enough. So we don't want to get into uh, investments where uh, the idea is still being developed. uh, And like, you know, these projects haven't found the right product market fit because as I was mentioning, this is a consolidating market. So you're going to have like all the new entrants are going to have a hard time getting uh, capital as well as attracting users. And at the same time, like the blue chips are just getting stronger and stronger because they have been able to aggregate demand or aggregate supply depending on what sort of project that is. So my best advice uh, is like, there is no harm in reaching out to a lot of VCs. Uh, see who is interested. And if you are building something innovative enough, uh, everyone would definitely be interested. And if you already have a product market fit uh, to some extent and you have some traction, then it's all about getting the right financing and uh, keeping yourself going uh, through the cycle. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Uh, more than happy to answer this in detail. And we, I am also publishing out a blog post tomorrow or day after on our framework of evaluating uh, like these new projects. Uh, we call it the 6D framework. So I'll definitely share it on my uh, Twitter as well uh, when it comes out. Awesome. Thank you for the insights. I'm sure this has been very helpful for a lot of founders, a lot of builders out there. <clears throat> 
uh, speaking for capital. Andre, oh, I want to ask you a similar question as well, since I give I have a challenge. Uh, I would like to hear, and this is a great time to showcase, kind of see it, so as how it differentiates. Um, obviously, the market right now lacks liquidity um, a little bit, but CLS is still thriving and doing fairly well. And would you like to shine some lights on how you guys are doing things different and how is sales built to support uh, projects who are ready to launch their tokens? Yes, of course. Um, so basically, we we started as a market maker in a, and you know market makers work on two different models. Mainly, it's a retainer and the loan based model, which is uh, usually used during the lunch. So, uh, for the most part, there were like two sides of market makers that did lunches, right? Mainly, and they onboarded like five five projects per month and there were other market makers that competed in a sort of a different market in in terms of the projects and they closed 20 30 projects per month so um what we have done differently is that uh after we got one market uh we moved to the second market uh, so if, if you can say that like sub market um and we kind of diversified our revenue stream uh even in market making so for us when we speak to the clients and potential clients and projects uh we can speak freely without um without pushing into any model right because well if if you look at it there are like a loan-based model is not really beneficial all the time for the projects um, but it's for us it's very beneficial right but still we try to do the consulting rather than selling that's why since our revenue stream consists of two paths in that market making uh, side um, we give genuine suggestions and the strategy suggestions as well uh, for the projects and um, right now our main focus is building the network on for, for the projects that starting out on an early stage because we are well connected uh, in the industry we have recently had a a good networking event in dubai as well um, we are connected with all lunch pads all centralized exchanges we have a big database of uh, our uh, funds and vcs that we uh, are quite good with and uh, we ba- what we do basically for them is we filter the projects uh from from the sort of the bad ones the ones that do not fit the description that Abinav uh, mentioned that he's going to post and then we send it to uh, our VCs and partners right so for for example if uh, Woodstock would be looking for GameFi and DeFi then we will filter our projects that we get da- like daily and monthly and then we filter them on the uh, on different criteria and then send it to them and if they like it we set it up we set up the the, the groups and uh, get the communication going so uh, so I would say that right now, uh, our main focus, one of the one of the main focuses to start, uh, would be uh, the fundraising part uh, for the projects and consulting on the early stages. Uh, I would say that's uh, that's the main focus right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you both for a very good um, once again introduction, I suppose and shine some lights on how we can all work together and support the builders, the traders, and everyone. Um, so yeah, before we started this session, we mentioned that we will be talking about the SBF trial, a very heated topic that many are interested in. So if you haven't, please leave some comments uh, regarding your question about the trial that you would like to ask us and our guests. Uh, so as are giving away rewards for top questions, and they are selecting from both uh, the comments below and uh, from the previous posts that they have tweeted. Please make sure to follow all our guests and their firms and us. And before that, let me ask uh, just to kind of give perspective and a little bit background on the case. Um, can Andre, can you give us a little bit uh, of a background story about what happened with SBF. 
Well, <laughs> there are actually a lot of questions. Yeah, there, there's actually a lot of questions as to uh, um, the final numbers of how much money got lost, where the money sort of, where did that money go? What was bought with the, the money that FTX had and the founders and CEO? Uh, to be honest, there is a lot of controversial things uh, and a lot of political things that we'd probably rather not uh, discuss in detail here. But but the bottom line, and there was a centralized big exchange, right? And uh, at, at that time, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Abhinav will know as well that a lot, a lot of it like it was considered of a, a, as a very as a very stable uh, exchange. And uh, for uh, from the perspective of market makers, when uh, we put a lot of liquidity on a centralized exchange, and something happens to the accounts, we're done. Like it's it's done. It's gone. Basically, there is no security. So, um, basically, all the money uh, it, it, it failed, and uh, a lot of people lost their money. So uh, that's in general uh, the, the case with FTX. But the reason why uh, Sam got uh, sued, right? And there is a court hearing and, and things like that. Uh, is more of a question, I'd say, of a due diligence and how the finance, how how the funds that were on the exchange were used. So, uh, for example, if you put money in into the bank account, right, uh, the bank will use that money while it's sitting there. In a simple. Um, sort of simple explanation to that is if all the people of one bank, all the account holders will go to one bank and withdraw the money, it will not be possible. So the bank will never give them that money. And uh, uh, for when, when I used to when I used to go to banks and uh, take out uh, more than ten or fifteen thousand dollars of uh, cash, I'd say, yeah, I think it was. I think the threshold of ten, I think thousand. I had to request it, and they had to bring it. So, with that being said, uh, banks use that the, the funds that they have for their investments, and this is uh, one of the ways how they make money. So, uh, the main problem with FTX and SBF, from my point of view, was that how they used that money. And again, that's a very controversial question, how they used, and uh, I'm sure some of the listeners probably know about that. Uh, but the interesting part about Sam, that some of you may research and think, is uh, let's say we have uh, uh, crypto, which is um, the whole idea is to be decentralized, right? And now you have you have big players like uh, even Uniswap, PancakeSwap, Binance, FTX, Coinbase, and uh, uh, since it uh, since it's sort of. Uh, since it's sort of like in in the crypto industry, and it's uh, it was under the uh, it was under the ideology of uh, uh, decentralization, he, the, the 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 government and uh, the main financial institutions they will always be interesting in controlling everything. So let's say you have four or five big players, and one of them fails then there is risk and there is panic of people who actually lost money. And what would be the next logical thing for all the account holders to do is say that, well, we need security. That's why we cannot uh, put money on a centralized exchange and trust it. Like Abhinav said earlier, with the ETF, it kind of takes away that uh, risk, uh, uh, risk, uh, fear so it, it's sort of like the uh, FTX is the ground for making Binance centralized and governed by authorities Coinbase governed by authorities and things like that and then if you extrapolate it further what if the same things happen on Trust Wallet or uh, on Uniswap or any other wallets so then the more things and hacks will happen people and the crowd will ask for security and in order to provide security you need to have a central body 
And in order to have a central body, you need the authorities, right? So I think it's a one of an interesting ways to look at this situation. And uh, we may even see one more case like that, or maybe FTX is enough. I don't know. I'm speculating here. But we may see uh, more cases of the uh, of, of people losing their money in a big way. Maybe not in centralized exchanges, but somewhere else along the line. So that's that's my interesting, I would say, view on the, this, the whole situation. Thank you, Andrew. And hopefully we do not see another case like FTX. Um, it has hurt a lot of people. And I make, I, I'm, I'm rather sure that it dampered. It is one of the big reasons that dampered the industry as a whole. And I, have, I actually would like to ask you as well a bit of a challenging question. Do you think overall FTX and SPF have progressed the industry, meaning it helped adoption of blockchain technology, it helped adoption of cryptocurrency, or do you think overall looking back that it has set us back uh, and made certain trust uh, lost in this situation? What do you think? Uh, that's a tough one. I would say like there are definitely more and more people interested in crypto because of like what FTX did with like their marketing, with pushing out uh, so many like partnerships, getting the celebrities involved, their fan bases involved and so on. So in general, if you ask me, like, has there been a net positive inflow of people because FTX existed in the last five years? Yes, I definitely think like uh, there is definitely a lot of people that have been uh, that have entered the Web3 space because of what FTX did. Uh, so I wouldn't say it has set us back, but it has definitely slowed us down at the moment because of what happened, like all those collapses, uh, all the uh, judgment lapses as well that they made. Uh, so I wouldn't say like it's a reflection of what Web3 crypto uh, blockchain or even like any of the technology stands for it is just like you know human greed it's a more psychological uh, issue rather than uh, like the industry failing or like technology not working etc I think it's a very different issue altogether and uh, I feel like it is less important that what happens with uh, like, you know, the management team at FTX, it is more important that the customers who were affected get their funds back and we are able to move forward. Uh, they are able to get their livelihood back or like their life savings back and uh, continue to uh, grow this industry, be part of it or even like just uh, continue their life as they would have. So, yeah, I think that's where we currently stand uh, and hopefully... I'm, I'm pretty sure like justice will be delivered to whoever uh, was involved there. So, yeah. Great answer for a very challenging question here. I appreciate that. So one last question before we go to um, our audience and ask questions and answer questions asked. Um, so obviously we do not want to see things like this uh, happening um, again. So here at GateUS, we are dedicated to build trust and to be fully regulated, uh, applying for license necessary to operate safely and securely and protect the asset of our clients. Uh, but Andre and Abihav, what do you think could be some ways that further secure the asset of clients and uh, restrict another instant like this to happen? I would say like the most important thing is having your, all these internal checks and balances. I think a lot of people uh, would agree with me that regulation, like being regulated and getting the stamp of approval uh, is a bit difficult at the moment because let's say we don't have like the correct processes and the policies are required to ensure security and how things are operated internally. So 
it is upon like the project the company to actually make sure that internally they are setting the right processes documenting them properly being responsible for whatever they are uh, doing in terms of uh, custodying the funds or even like dealing with customer balances uh, i think that's the most important part like internally the management or the team that is building something they have to have their hearts in the right place and make sure that uh, whatever they do uh, it's in the best interest of everyone uh, so yeah i think that's where it stands regulations will come we will have all these standards and uh, processes that exist in the traditional finance world uh, but at the same time uh, when till the time they actually arrive uh, it's up to us to govern ourselves and web3 has all been about like governance governance and distributed uh, trust so I, i think that's what we should focus on internally yeah that's that's exactly how it's going to happen i don't even have anything to add other than as soon as regulations are going to be in place we're going to the the, the companies and the projects will have the the opportunity to insure the funds as well so that's kind of going to give uh, an extra security and options as well but it's going to take time and uh, until then again let's hope that nothing bad has happens so double check everything well said well said well um seeing that we have a few minutes left in the session i would like to open this se- uh, section up for questions from audience. Please raise your hand if you have a question uh, while we're all here. We got the first one, Santa. It is almost Christmas time. So Santa, please do ask your question. Uh, we'll take turns. You are now a speaker. Please ask your question. Hello guys, can you hear me? Yes, we hear you perfectly. Okay, yeah. So I just want to know, can you guys like tell more your points um, based on the um, SPF? Right? Um, I just want to know, like, do you really think um, crypto markets will like fully recover from what actually to like the FTX crash? Because I believe it actually um, affected a lot of investors. So do you really think um, the markets and investors are going to like recover? So I'm going to take that question first and please fill in uh, as necessary. Uh, but yes, I definitely think the industry is going to recover. Um, let's take traditional finance as example, right? Uh, for stock market around the globe, we have seen many, many incidents as well, uh, from smaller ones to larger ones. One, you know, one thing comes to mind is obviously Bernie Madoff, a very infamous case but that has uh that has hurt much more people that has been a much bigger case at the same time uh we do see the market going up uh, you know post, especially in recent years post pandemic uh greatly uh without being affected i think for the cryptocurrency market or the blockchain industry uh, as a whole we are still quite early and i can't emphasize this enough Uh, right now, even with the ETF being approved, say later uh, in time, we are looking at about one trillion in total market size, which is you know roughly one tenth of AUM under BlackRock, and that is to say that we're a very very small market right now. In fact, if we have someone with 20 million or 50 million. Trying to purchase BTC or ETH, it will greatly shake the market, and that will consider a will. However, in traditional stock, that would just be another investor. So I think you know, ultimately, in the earlier stage, there's going to be a lot of uh, foul dealing and a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but that's very normal for early stage industry, uh, which also you know provide a tremendous return. Uh, because it is early, uh, but ultimately going forward, I do imagine that cryptocurrency will become a mainstream asset, and the market will be much larger. And this will just be a case study that people read about 
and learn about uh, in the future. But Andre and Abihav, please feel free to jump in as well. Well, I agree on what you said, Russell. Uh, and um, m- maybe the only thing that I can add is sort of to clarify on what Santa asked is uh, when the thing with FTX happened, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there was a lot of fear as to other exchanges and whether they are going to go down. And they tried to rationalize that by looking at uh, how much funding they have, reserves, and so on and so on. So that fear was built around that uh, perception and it kind of faded away. So there is no really uh, anything to be worried about in terms of uh, most of the bigger exchanges right now. And I don't see anybody talking about that. Um, And uh, from the market making perspective and uh, being in the market right now, that fear even from projects that were afraid to go on to centralized exchanges uh, right after that case i think it took about two months fear disappeared so speaking of that uh the only thing that projects remember is the meme coin season in may <laughs> that's my take on that so uh let's go uh let's go further uh up i'd say so i, th- I think fear is uh, eliminated by this time Great. Um, yeah, have do you have any input on that question as well? Or should we go to the next one? I'm gonna bring our next speaker online. So Famous, I see you've been raising hands and asking questions in the comment section. You are now connecting to be our speaker. Please ask your question. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you perfectly. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, so actually, I just wanted to know because uh, a lot of projects actually have um, some issues or uh, tends to fail because of uh, regulatory um, compliance. So I just want to know, like, what is your um, strategy to actually um, um, uh, work on these uh, issues which most projects always um, seems to encounter on the space? I'm sorry, uh, could you please repeat the last part? I wasn't able to hear it clearly. Okay, yeah. Um, so actually, I say, like, um, what is your strategy to actually um, uh, to actually um, work properly with these regulatory compliances with countries which actually have these um, restrictions uh, and other um, uh, regulatory compliances uh, to be uh, work on projects? So I just want to know, like, what is your strategy to actually um, regulate these compliances? Sure. Um, so from my point of view, uh, obviously, depending on the nature of the project, depending on the nature of uh, the platform, uh, it will vary, right? I, I believe that the regulatory uh, landscape is ever-changing. Um, people are trying to figure it out um, as we are going. And literally, the uh, DC is trying to figure out how to kind of judge this asset class and make it more suitable for the greater audience. Ultimately, I think, you know, we are at our road to maturing. Um, and for Gate US, we are uh, we are getting all the license that we deem necessary to operate fully legally. And like our guest said, we are keeping all the records. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot share too much as we are pre-launch uh, to, you know, to keep things more secure. We're pre-launch, so we cannot share uh, everything just yet. But we are fully uh, aimed to be regulated and to be um, a safe and secure place for you all to be trading on uh, without any issues coming from political side. Uh, but I, I assume that will be very different for a project or for a market maker or VC. Um, so if our guests would like to chip in and share your thoughts, that would be great as well. Well, on the regulator part, um, not much to say from the market making perspective uh, other than uh, the SEC situation, right? So. 
uh, it de- for us, it honestly it depends only on the project and where they are located, where their uh, uh, legal entity is uh, based in. Right now, there are a lot of opportunities, uh, even in Dubai. Uh, they're making a free zone. Uh, I, I know uh, rock free zone, right? So uh, let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll have a bank that will uh, receive crypto in here. So uh, for us, again, it's all about where the projects get registered. So I don't, I don't think I can add anything else. Sure. Uh, so let's take another question. Uh, our compliance officer uh, was willing to chime in, but let's take another question. A um, lot of hands raising. So I'm going to take uh, in order, Sony, and after Sony, we will be taking one more question, which is also in order. Um, um, hello, yes, we can hear you well. All right, thank you very much. Um, so my question, um, to Rustok, um, I was, I noticed through, I went through, I was trying to go through the project. I noticed there's not really a website in the Twitter account. So I want to see where I can get more information about that. I also, if you can enlighten us, like, more like, some of the sustainability plans for the project, this is very, very important. Hey, behalf, are you able to catch that? No, I think like the voice was a bit muffled, so I couldn't catch half of the words. I think like there was something about the Woodstock website. So uh, I can drop the Woodstock website, but it's woodstockfund.com. And you can read our thesis there. Sorry, did that answer your question? Or you want to try asking again? Yeah, I didn't get the reply to the question because I went to his the Twitter page. I didn't see a link to any of the websites or information about the project itself. And I wanted to ask if you can enlighten us about some of the sustainability plans. Sorry, I didn't catch the last part. Yeah, sorry, I didn't catch that either. Okay. Uh, but please feel free to DM Abihav. <clears throat> he is a very helpful guy. He's absolutely great. Check out the website, and if you have any questions regarding Woodstock, uh, please do ask him. Uh, send him a DM. I'm sure he will uh, reply at his earliest convenience. Let's take one more question. One last one. One last question. I'm gonna take in order. Toga, you are moved to be a speaker. You're invited. Actually, I can't invite you for some reason. So I'm going to take Odin as he has also been raising his hands for quite some time. For people who have questions and wasn't able to ask directly, please leave your comment in this section and we'll try to get to it. Uh, otherwise, do join our future sessions and feel free to ask questions. The guests you see today, uh, just one sec, the guests you see today will be uh, coming back in the future as well. Um, so feel free to join uh, in the future to ask uh, as well. So for now, Odin, please ask your question. Hi, hi uh, guys. Thank you for the chance. Uh, I must start by saying that I really enjoyed your conversation and uh, just want to take your opinion on perhaps uh, something that uh, troubles me. Not troubles, but uh, makes me think because... Uh, Beginning from myself, uh, for most people, the decentralized aspect of crypto became very uh, attractive because no government regulations, etc. And uh, with people from uh, also from Europe and Middle East who are uh, mostly obliged to obey their rules, and uh, this became so very famous and very popular in that sense. But as we see cases like SDF and uh, it makes people think that regulation aspect is very essential and uh, more and more crypto leans to this centralized aspect. And in the beginning, uh, this way, I I assume that it loses the, <coughs> this most attractive part of it. But as you also experienced very well, that it's like an egg and chicken situation. And uh, in order to avoid such cases, uh, more regulations perhaps are needed, but perhaps it's a theoretical question, but where, what do you uh, see and uh, where do you place yourself in this uh, 
do you think that uh, the safety is more important than the perhaps this the surprise aspect of it or because the way I see it, it's becoming more like uh, more and more like banks and when it is regulated and the governments may in some way they perhaps uh, involved in the process it will lose in the end uh, the essence of crypto and the web3 for me at least uh, perhaps it's a bit uh, personal question but just want to uh, see your opinion about this. thank you uh who would you like to ask first let's uh give all the guests a rundown <laughs> yes since it's the last question why don't we all answer the question andre uh do you want to go first yeah sure well Odin, thanks for this question and uh I think, unfortunately, it's inevitable that uh, we're going to be uh, becoming like like crypto is going to be becoming more like, as you said, like banks. It's going to be more and more centralized because, um, you know, how I like to think about countries as a franchise, uh, a franchise land. So you basically can choose who you are going to pay royalties to. You go to a Canada, where I'm a citizen is, you pay 35-40% tax. You go to Dubai, you pay zero tax. And so you sort of choose where you who you want to pay to. So where I'm going with this is that whenever there is big money, uh, the regulators, the big banks, the ones that are not in crypto, they will eventually get into that. And they will sort of take what they want. And I, I'm not being pessimistic i'm being optimistic so don't get me wrong is just we need uh to be uh, ready that within a few years it's going to be a rather centralized than decentralized and like in any new industry remember when the internet just started the thousands right when we had the web boom uh it was all unregulated like youtube and uh, even uh, X, the former Twitter, unregulated. Uh, you could post anything. Then we get more regulations and more regulations. So it's almost like everywhere you look, it gets more and more centralized and more and more controlled. So uh, I think it's inevitable. So uh, I'd rather say we should enjoy the time. Abhihav, do you have any input or should I? <laughs> Everyone's kind of crying now, but should I jump in or Abhav, do you have anything that you'd like to add? I don't see him anymore, actually. Uh, but yeah, from our perspective, right? Um, so I think, you know, when you are getting into this industry at first, uh, you know, I agree with Audrey uh, on parts that certain regulation are necessary, certain control are necessary. I think that's just for the greater good uh, of every investor, of everyone participating. Um, think it of, think it as laws, you know, when we, we talked about YouTube, we talked about uh, X, which is uh, Twitter. Think it as laws. Without them, it's chaotic. There's bandits, scammers, right? Uh, different things. But a good place really to, you know, the go of the session is not to promote ourselves, but really when you are looking to get asset, it is best to go to a trusted uh, site, a trusted platform where it is also being overwatched by regulators, by the government. Uh, we don't think that TriFi will completely overtake uh, the crypto industry. We do not think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think, you know, the power are at people's hands. Uh, ultimately, blockchain industry is a decentralized industry. Um, but Gate US is, of course, always here to assist in your success as a gateway uh, to your crypto. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. And that will be the last question. I do understand that our guests have additional meetings to attend to. And so do I. And thank you all for joining. Thank you, Andre, uh, for joining as well. Thank you for all the support. And I'm sure that the giveaway announcement will be posted on CLS Twitter. Make sure you follow them. Uh, make sure you follow Woodstock Fund as well and check out their website. And we will have a few more sessions coming up uh, in the next week, likely. Um, so 
Join us for additional partner straps for additional discussions. It's great to have you all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy your weekends. Bye.